Hello and welcome to the Broadcast News Wrap Podcast, your shorthand guide to the TV business news of the week, brought to you by the Broadcast Editorial Team. I'm Hannah Bowler and this week we've got a special episode where we introduce TV mindsets for Deal Amini in the wake of the TV Coalition for Change's first meeting. Adil managed a master feat of getting together senior execs from across the industry to find practical solutions to freelancer working conditions. I caught up with him to chat about how the first meeting went and the next steps the coalition are going to go through. Later on, I'm joined by Don Elms, Broadcast International Editor, to discuss the Distributor Showcase Live event hosted by Broadcast. So, John, I hear it's been a very busy week for you. How are you holding up? Yeah, I'm good. Uh, it's a pleasure to be back, Hannah. Um, I'm literally an hour and a half since we wrapped our then final event, and it, it was good fun. And I'm looking forward to talking to you about it in a little while. Have you been outside of that? Uh, pretty zombified, both both in what I've been watching. I give you a little bit of clue, and and just generally just hard work. Um, I think we're all we're all kind of slogging away as autumn autumn comes around with a vengeance so i sat down this week with adil amin from the tv mindset coming straight off the back of his first meeting where he set up the tv coalition for change um, the meeting took place last week um, and it basically brought together all the big wig industry heads um, and the first meeting on the agenda was bullying harassment racism and ableism and here he is to tell you a lot more about it so hi Adil, welcome to the Broadcast News Wrap podcast. First of all, how's things? How have you been? Uh, busy. I've been busy. Well, well, thank you for having me. But yes, things have been very, very busy, both with uh, various bits of campaigning, um, as I'm sure we'll talk about, um, and also with production. Um, been lucky enough to be working during uh, lockdown and, and over the summer as well. So yeah, it's uh, kind of it's been busy on both counts. Uh, so we're here today to talk about the uh, TV Coalition for Change, uh, yep. which you founded. And I wondered if, uh, to start, we could kind of talk about the journey um, and how it was formed and where you got to where you are now. God, the journey is, it's, uh, <laughs> it was quite a stressful journey. Um, I will be very, very honest about that. I think there's um, a reason that something like this hadn't been done before. So. I obviously did a lot of campaigning as part of TV Mindset, which again, isn't really something that I intended to do, but I had a platform, you know, I, I was a, a TV freelancer who went through some things and wanted to talk about it to try and, you know, increase awareness and make a difference. And somehow I would say that got out of control <laughs> in a way that I didn't really expect. Um, so I wear this, this hat very, very uncomfortably because, you know, I got into this industry not to be a campaigner, but to be a producer, which, you know, I'm, I'm very lucky to be. Um, but obviously when, when, you know, you start saying certain things and people start listening and, you know, when the lockdown happened, we were providing a service with the TV mindset of various webinars and things like that. And it was making a difference. I think, you know, we had so many people reach out and every one of those messages makes all the sort of long hours and the sleepless nights worthwhile. Um, and you sort of feel a, a responsibility as well to people. I think one of the key things from um, this whole experience and this whole year is that our industry is broken, whether we like it or not. And that's not to discount all the wonderful work that people are doing, but the truth is whatever we're doing as individuals, as groups, it's just not working. People are unhappy. And I don't think 
the work that I'm doing would have gotten so much traction if people didn't respond to it in a certain way. There's a definite ache in this industry that needs to be addressed. So with that in mind, obviously we thought in August, um, I was working and, and speaking to Charlotte Black from Channel 4 and Donna Tabra from the BBC quite a lot. Donna had done a lot of um, work with broadcast and was setting up, you know, they, I think she did the, um, the screen skills broadcast debate with you guys. Um, and Charlotte was doing a lot of stuff around culture change and was really interested to sort of, you know, be part of that movement. Realise that, you know, we were sort of coming out of the crisis by August and we realised that we had to do something with our collective contacts, you know, with broadcasters, freelancers, um, other stakeholder groups, we thought we have to have some sort of meaning, you know, for all of this, that we can't go back to the industry the way it was. We have to, you know, all of this trouble and all of this strife has to mean something. And it took a lot of work. I don't think anyone really knows just how horrific August was in getting this coalition off the ground. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, you've rallied around some big names, big organisations. How, how, how did you go about that? How did you get to those people and have them sign the original declaration? I mean, my version is that I was just relentlessly annoying. Um, and I, <laughs> was, uh, I was determined. I, I just, again, realised that, yeah, I, I'm going to be open, you know, everyone knows this as well, is that initially what we thought after the first two Edinburgh sessions, that we thought we might actually get a charter you know, we might actually be able to get people to sign up to things for freelancers that would immediately improve the industry. However, as soon as we started delving into that, we realised actually this is really deep policy work and it can't just be signed off in two weeks. It's got a lot of legal ramifications. There's a lot of stakeholders involved and it's a real sort of, you know, bucking the system in a way that just hasn't been done before and probably can't be done in that short time. So we regrouped and one of the things that is, you know, good about being independent with the tv mindset is that you can be agile and you can respond to the needs of of the industry and, and freelancers and we realized okay what we need is a an agreement to at least talk and i think it was danny horan actually who said in one of the edit uh, debates that we needed to have like a, an industry-wide working group so obviously that's where we you know started talking about a bit more and um the other stakeholder groups were like you know we can't just you know everyone has to have a say and I think the whole point of us being in this situation is that that people do need to have a seat at the table whether it's to do with like diversity or you know any any sort of policies and, and my thing has always been it isn't about having a seat at the table it's about building a brand new table that works for everyone and that has a place for everyone and that's what we've done I'm really really proud of that but it was difficult think historically everyone knows that broadcasters you know tend not to do things with each other or it's quite an arduous process to do that so I do look back and I think bloody hell like what 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 was I thinking what was I smoking like that this has happened and, and how has it happened I'm really grateful to them for leaning into the culture change to leaning into you know the, the very real needs of freelancers and doing so in a way that that you know gives us all a chance to to build a, a fair and better industry but you know, Charlotte and Donna obviously helped with their contacts. They have a lot of um, respect in the industry. And I think the work that I was doing as well, you know, people had resonated with it and, you know, were willing to listen. And I think that was the other thing as well, is that, you know, the mood was collaborative rather than accusatory. As an industry, we're an ecosystem. We all have our part to play, whether it, even if it's freelancers perpetuating behaviour or staying silent in the face of it. I think we've all had our part to play. So it's more about, look, we know it's a bit rubbish out there but let's try and work together to solve it and you know let's just just try and find some creative solutions 
So all of this kind of culminated in the first meeting, which took place last week on bullying and harassment, ableism and racism. Um, and I wondered if you could kind of uh, just unpack, you know, what was on the cards and what kind of actions were drawn from it. Having 33 odd people in a room is in a Zoom room as well is quite unusual. And I uh, just out of lack of anyone else sort of coming forward or knowing who else to put forward um, was acting as a chair. And I've chaired meetings before, but my God, it's quite an experience. Um, also because there was no precedent as well. I think well, that was one of the, my biggest things is that, right, there is nothing to compare this to. I don't know how it's going to go and how people are going to um, react to certain things. And I did, you know, I was working with um, Charlotte Donner and also Abby Kumar of the um, Bain TV Task Force, um, who's helping out. And, you know, we, we agreed that we would, you know, we sent terms of reference out and also just said, it's a safe space, but it's also one of decorum and collaboration and very solutions focused. So please keep it respectful. And I'm pleased to say that, you know, everyone did. Luckily, no one, you know, descended into a, a fit of rage and started swearing at each other, which is always a good result in TV, I feel. Um, but uh, it's, um, we put bullying and uh, harassment and racist abuse and ableism on the agenda, mainly because of what, you know, the discussions that came out of the Edinburgh TV Festival around diversity and things like that, but also just to sort of pinpoint, you know, a really, um, valid and quite a prevalent issue in the industry. You know, obviously Beck two have recently hired um, the bullying and harassment advisor. I think I think the role is um, but an officer. Sorry, and um, you know it just feel, felt like a real like a really pertinent thing to to look at. So with the agenda, you know, we we covered everything really. We sort of looked at the blue sky option, which is a reporting body and an independent reporting body and Beck2 are doing some research around that for racism obviously the charity are doing uh, from a tv charity doing some research around that and to my surprise it wasn't something that was dismissed which you know I feel like maybe if we were doing this a year ago it might have been but I think people do realize the value and merit of having an independent body to look at a lot of these issues and they do come under you know one remit in a way which essentially is HR you know, a strong body like that that people can pay into would be very valuable for our industry, I think, and, and catch a lot of the, the, the stuff that goes on with freelancers. Due to COVID and various other reasons, you know, time and resources at the moment didn't make it a viable option. You know, my thing is, of course, you know, we want solutions, but we also want solutions that are viable and sustainable and workable for the marginalised of the marginalised. Um, so for that reason, it didn't feel like the right option right now because it would take a long time and, and it's not off the table, but it's one of those things. Okay, well, what can we do tomorrow? These you know, people are suffering right now. What can we do, you know, immediately sort that out? So we shifted the focus onto that because again, solutions based, I didn't want to come out of there with like nothing at all. Um, and that's when we started talking about the, the things that were announced, you know, in, in our statement to press. So various measures, short and midterm, um, what we call the suite of measures, a very TV term, I'm sure and that definitely came in that room, you know, um, a suite of measures, got to hate myself for saying it, um, but it was uh, the short term of, um, you know, just a zero tolerance statement that we're drafting with, um, in association with BAFTA and BFI, because they've done some really good work on, um, you know, principles and guidelines in that area so um, a zero tolerance statement that we all sign off on and that becomes sort of our industry standard every member of the coalition you know that is our ethos that's what we're putting out there um, in the midterm um, you know strengthening whistleblowing procedures looking at what's available internally what's available for freelancers 
um, Zai Bennett and Richard uh, Watson have, have um, agreed to chair subgroup to look at a code of conduct for commissioning and PACT are also joining that to look at a framework for producers as well. On whistleblowing services, how, how instrumental do you think they, as a role as they could play in the, in the reporting? And do you think that it needs to be centralised? Obviously, there's different broadcasts, every broadcaster has their own and they're trying to improve prominence. Do you think there's value in a centralised system? As a freelancer yourself, would would that be easier for you? What, what do you think of that? Um, I think so. I think if I were to go to one place rather than three separate places to complain about something, obviously that's going to be easier and convenient. Um, and I think if that place were equipped to deal with racist abuse as well as you know ableism, that would also help. Because the other problem is that you know whether it's HR, you know within a small company or whatever you know larger, I've spoken about the fact that it's hard to go and explain a racist incident to white people who've never suffered it so the whatever you know i think there is merit in it so long as it's done properly and i guess the other the, the really tricky thing is accountability and you know i can't with any confidence say that any of us have solved that in within the coalition um, and and you know it's quite an open process if people you know have any ideas we're more than well you know they're more than welcome to to email them over and, and happy we're happy to listen to them because you know, there are legal ramifications of certain things as well. You know, we, we talk about three strikes and you're out rules and that kind of thing, but legally they're not, uh, you know, th th there's a big, big question mark over them. And when I say question mark, we probably can't do them <laughs> for legal reasons. So yeah, there's, there's uh, you know, blacklisting is not a thing in this country. It can't be, again, for various things of employment law. And I know that lawyers will be present at certain meetings to again, make sure that nothing goes through that is contravening um, the law of this country. So it's it's you know there's there's a merit in centralization and reporting in that sense but there's also that question of what are the consequences and obviously now there's a broadcaster subgroup set up um but do you think quarterly is is enough of a time period to to have these meetings is there or will there be work and meetings within the interim for quarterly i think when we again when we set it up there was no precedent and you know i'm not gonna lie <laughs> i mean i'm probably too honest for my own good but sort of book quarterly as well to not scare people off like you know committing to one meeting in three months again when you're getting together this many broadcasters and this many stakeholders it sort of feels a little bit more manageable than saying you have to meet every month it's like everyone's busy there's a crisis going on you know it, it, it's a lot to ask so i was sort of thinking okay this feels like a good compromise but we'll go 18 months rather than a year because I think we need that amount of like forensic work and the idea of subgroups and is, is something that again I'm really pleased that it's not the result I was expecting in any way but I'm just really pleased it came organically and it came from the people that it did because it just seemed like okay we're not just gonna leave this in this zoom room and you know walk away and not do anything we are going to continue this work in the interim it is work that requires a lot more than just two hours with a group of people like we have to commit to this um so i'm all for it and and you know if that happens again after the second meeting then you know i certainly have no objections anything that helps progress the change is always going to be a good thing um so looking forward then what's 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 up next? So uh, you're meeting in, on, in January? Is that the next In meeting? January, yeah. Before then, I'm going to have a really long sleep. Um, <laughs> I can imagine. I can so yeah. imagine. 
you just have to have your like winter break post that yeah i'm gonna go to hibernation i think that's yeah. that's what i need so yeah, the word tv mindset triggers me now and i, I need to like, <laughs> go into it uh, no, it's, uh, no we are doing the next meeting in january obviously there's going to be subgroup stuff before then and i think nearer the time again I, i've got a rough idea what the agenda could be um but i think then again the other the good thing is is being agile because we've had quite a up and down year and you know who knows what might come up before jay i hope you know things kind of just steady and but you know there may be another immediate crisis that we need to look at or something that's that's come up in the industry that needs addressing so the agenda yeah i think the agenda will be set nearer the time some broadcasters sent one person some sent two you know we might encourage people to you know bring you know use use both their seats if they, if they need to um and we'll also i suppose get a measure of, of whether what we've established in this first meeting and what's been happening in the in interim um will work and whether this is a good system um and uh, having people around the table and getting things done and if, if you know people are finding it different and difficult then we'll, we'll just adapt well thank you so much uh, for taking the time to speak to us i wondered as an honorary member of the podcast this week i wondered if we could uh do our favorite segment which is what have you been watching this week so oh what have God. you been watching adil so i it's not something positive i'll tell you that but um, I don't mind a Netflix thing here and there, but I started watching this Emily in Paris malarque that was, and I apologize to anyone who's listening to this, who's worked on it, you know, it's very well made, don't get me wrong, but my God, I was like, why am I watching this, this rich white woman or this privileged white woman going around bumbling her way through Paris? I was like, have we not got enough of this in life and in general? I was like, this is, I don't know, it just made me angry. And <laughs> like, I'm not really an angry person. I was like, who are you? Why am I watching this? And everyone's saying, oh, it's really nice and escapist and everything. And I'm like, no, not, not for me, sadly. That's a good review. I'll take that one. <laughs> <laughs> See, this is why I've never been. I, and no one should ever give me anything, you know, remotely responsible because I just, I just, yeah, I, I, I'm far too honest. Well, thank you so much. It's been lovely catching up. Um, and I'll let you get on with your day. Thank you very much, Hannah. Take care. So that was a really interesting discussion, talking about lots of very important stuff that um, I think has been top of the agenda for a few weeks now, um, obviously giving it the gravitas that it deserves. Um, we're going to pivot slightly onto um, something else that's been going on, which is the Distributor Showcase Live event that um, broadcast hosted this week. And who better to talk about it than the event organiser himself, John Elms. As I said earlier, um, we are literally an hour and a half or thereabouts since the wrapping of our third and final session for Showcase Live. Um, and this, we're recording this on Thursday, the 8th of October. And yeah, it was um, something that around this time, and because October is usually the period of uh, MIPCOP, uh, which is happening next week, but online, that's been disrupted and we we at broadcast introduced a, a a content strand called distributor showcase to try and showcase quite literally the the best programming that's emerging from the international landscape throughout the year um and we wanted to kind of punctuate it at the most principal time for the distributors which is around mipcom uh, given that mipcom is usually the largest event during the year live event during the year and to kind of do our own panel discussions uh, about some of the key uh, and most burning topics in the distribution landscape. 
and you know that obviously so many events are going on at the moment and it's 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 naturally difficult to cut through so we had to think about things that we thought would be different to the to the usual discussions um but in the kind of perennial topics that do come around that are important we obviously wanted to focus on those too so we've we've just finished a day's worth of sessions there were three of them uh the first was one called selling diverse content um chaired by myself the second was called formats futures a new world of opportunities also chaired by me and the third one was um scripted in the time of covid chaired by our fellow regular potty guest um jesse Whittock. Selling diverse content was a uh, one that's actually born out of uh, born out of an interview I did um, last year about the look of diversity in the international content landscape. Obviously, this year in particular has seen diversity quite rightly thrust into under the spotlight in a consistent way. With we think the industry moving on 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 the matter of diversity in in a meaningful way, and that is often looked at through the lens of commissioning and having stories from underrepresented voices which is absolutely pivotal for tv but the next step of that is selling it and disseminating it wider than just a host broadcaster in a in in a country and some of my panelists have really encountered some quite quite strange uh strange at best and uh Kind of outrageous at worst um, in, um, times when trying to sell programming that pertains to this idea of diverse, be it you know underrepresented voices from um, you know in relation to ethnicity or LGBTQ plus or you know it, you know it, even even female voices. Um, they, these this, these distributors have struggled to sell programming because it doesn't doesn't fit a a criteria. Um, that, uh, uh, that, that, that pertains to what the buyer wants, uh, which is quite baffling in this, um, in this world, uh, in this day and age. So if I happened to want to play some of these back, where might I find them in a non-subtle plug? <laughs> right, so we have got a, a showcase website for which the, uh, the videos will be posting. Uh, will be hosted on um, in due course. We're going to leave it a little bit of time to gestate, but in due course, these these sessions will be available on our showcase website, which is www.broadcastnow.co.uk forward slash showcase. Um, and, you know, registrants will also get links to, to the YouTube videos in, in due course. So they're going to be there for wider dissemination. And of course, you can read about them at a later date. So yeah, it's it's really exciting, and it was nice to be able to do something off one's own back. You know, we rely on going to the Mitcoms and all the different events that we've seen. But I think one thing that broadcast has been able to do um, is is introduce our own events, and it was great to you know do a distribution focused event, and the audiences were great. I'm I'm really really encouraged by by the numbers we got, and hopefully this will lead to bigger and better things. Well. Well, I would like to know from you, John, what have you been watching this week? Oh, what a fantastic segue into, into our favourite moment of the week, eh? Um, well, I gave a little clue earlier, but basically I, I just caught, I caught up on The Walking Dead. I mean, I don't think there is a show out there anymore that can, have, can claim the same longevity. 
as The Walking Dead. I mean, it's just going, it's just finished its 10th series. If you see the light of Netflix cancelling Glow after four series, the idea of 11 series, and it's got one more, you know, 11 series is mad. So I've been watching that, and I will also just quickly say I watched Ted Lasso on Apple TV+. Plus. I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I'm. I'm. It's. It's. It's not the hardest hitting show. It's not gonna. I. D I doubt it will win awards for craft. But it. Do you know what? In this time when everyone's saying they need escapist content, that's just lighthearted and gives you a bit of relief. It absolutely hits the spot. I think it. I thought it was. It was. It was charming. It was domestic. It was funny. Um. And yeah. Top notch. So uh, a little plug for Ted Lasso on Apple TV Plus. How about yourself, Anna? What have you been watching? I've had a bit of a documentary heavy week. I, yeah, what if I, I watched the amazing Freddie Flintoff bulimia documentary, um, which I honestly, I thought was incredible. And I really appreciated seeing a man discuss these issues on primetime tv i think it was handled wonderfully like he just helmed the show so well um and i really feel like it's going to raise a lot of awareness about male eating disorders which i just yeah basically it was i would really recommend to watch um and then on the other spectrum i watched the netflix social dilemma documentary which um, sent me into a big existential crisis about using your smartphone and I can't get it out of my head. And um, I mean, if you watch it and get some feedback, but oh, I just am like, I just need to put the phone down now and step away. The only thing that I did watch that was a lot less heavy was I did watch the Apprentice Best Bits episode. <laughs> and do you know what? That is content that delivered. There are some classic characters of that you totally forgot. And I mean, yeah, if you've got an hour, give it a watch. Thank you for listening to the Broadcast News Wrap podcast. I'm reporter Hannah Bowler, and you've been listening to the lovely Adil Amini and Broadcast International editor John Adams. You can check out past episodes of the pod on Spotify, Apple, or at broadcastnow.co.uk.